On this fourth Sunday of Advent, we light our fourth candle, marking time. Later today, we'll light our Christ candle as we celebrate Jesus' birth. But today we get the story, or this morning I should say, we get the story of Mary. Central figure chosen for her faith, and we know a good part of her story. But I wanted to start with our first reading, which is actually sequentially, we did those opposite, if you caught that. Uh, Her response to the angel and to this good news that she will bear the Christ child is actually a song. It's called the Magnificat, named because of the first verses. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. And I was thinking about this beautiful song that comes out of Mary's mouth called the Magnificat. And I was thinking specifically about the word magnify. And I was pondering this word, and I was thinking of two different ways that we can think about magnify. Because she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. I was thinking of a magnifying glass, which you can use to make small things look bigger. Or you could use to bring clarity to where maybe there was none. Now, as a child, I used magnifying glasses for other things that I can't talk about. (laughs) But I remember going to my grandparents' house, and they always would have a little magnifying glass when they read the paper. Has anyone ever seen that before? Uh, Maybe the readers just weren't quite strong enough, so they got the magnifying glass out. But, but Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. That Mary was so filled with the presence of God that she says, when you see me, you can see God more clearly. And what a powerful thing for her to say. And of course, it's definitely true that when we see Mary as this teenage unmarried, unwed teenager, chosen to carry the Christ child, and she says, here am I, let it be with me according to your purpose, we see in her such a great faith, such a trust that her soul makes clear the Lord. So a magnifying glass is the first thing I thought of. And then if you want to be a little creative, you could think of a magnet. A magnet is something that, of course, has a charge. I know you all are scientists. I'm not. But it sticks to things. So there's something about Mary. She says, my soul is like a magnet for the Lord. That if you stay connected to Mary, you're going to stay connected to God, or there was a magnetism, a magnetic personality, sometimes we use that, that there was something about Mary that if you spent time with her, the Lord's presence would somehow just rub off on you. And who is the first and most important person that the magnetic soul of Mary sticks to? It's her son. There's a reason that Mary is chosen to be the mother of Jesus. 
Like any mother, Mary teaches her son everything about life, about love, and about the Lord. Now, it might boggle our mind to think that Jesus had to learn about God, but he was a child. And Mary models for Jesus not just a faithfulness, but a theological grounding. If you were to look at that Magnificat again, it talks about, yes, my soul magnifies the Lord, and you've looked upon your servant with blessing, but also that the proud are scattered, that the rich go away, and that the lowly are brought up, and that those who are hungry are filled with good things. I don't know about you, but this sounds a lot like the Beatitudes where Jesus later in Luke chapter 6 says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek, blessed are those who are persecuted, and woe to the rich, woe to the powerful. Mary captures in her Magnificat, her song, not just acknowledging the blessings that she's received, but the bigger ways of God in this world, that our God is a God of justice, a God of peace, a God of love, but also a God who will set things right, making sure that everyone has what they need. And so Mary teaches Jesus about God, helping him develop his own understanding of how God works in the world as he then later teaches about God's kingdom, inviting others into that same relationship. But of course, this starts with the angel Gabriel. If you go to the gospel reading, it says, in the sixth month, and you're like, what, is it June? It's actually the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So last week, I reintroduced to everyone the story of Zechariah, the priest at the temple. Zechariah and Elizabeth are a devoted, older-aged couple. It says they were getting on in years, but they never had children, despite praying for it. The angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah when he's in the temple and says, the Lord has heard your prayers. You're going to have a son, and not just any son, but a son who will be holy, a son who will prepare people for the coming of the Messiah, and you will name him John, later known as John the Baptist. It just happens that Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, and Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth in the sixth month of her pregnancy, and there's no doubt that Mary was well aware that Elizabeth had not been able to have a child, well aware that Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying fervently and that they were devoted in their faith, and yet they had not had that blessing. So she shows up, and she's six months, probably showing. And then that same angel visits her while she's at Elizabeth's house. There's a lot of holiness happening in that house. Greetings, favored one. Now, what's remarkable, of course, about this story 
is under no barometer by any means would marry the unwed teenage girl, not from wealth or prominence. No one would have looked upon her objectively and said, well, obviously you've been blessed in life. But the angel says, greetings, favored one. And the exact same pattern that happened with Zechariah happens with Mary. The angel says, do not be afraid, for you found favor with the Lord, and you have this amazing gift. You are going to bear the Christ child. Now, when Zechariah heard this, he goes, well, how could this be? Because I'm old. And then Gabriel mutes Zechariah for nine months. Here, Mary says, how can this be? For I'm a virgin. And the angel just explains it to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. She doesn't get muted. I don't know the difference there. I'm pondering that myself. But nonetheless, Mary is chosen specifically because she would be the perfect person in God's amazing plan. She had the faith. She had the understanding of God, and she was willing to say, yes, here I am. Let it be with me according to your purpose. As we celebrate tonight and tomorrow the birth of Jesus, not only is it important to remember Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and all the other characters that play important roles in this story, but how they responded to God. Zechariah may have taken a little while, but he too says yes. If you were to actually go now and jump to the end of Luke, you'll see Zechariah's own version of his sort of magnificat, and it's just as beautiful. But the willingness to say yes, the willingness to trust God when it's risky and things are unknown and uncertain. That's the kind of faith that we are invited into. May that faith be with you. May you be filled with the joy of the Spirit and this season. And may we say, here I am. Let it be with me according to your purpose. Amen.